I hear the sound. Listen. The rain of above. There is a sheet in the atmosphere. In the name of Jesus, every tribal is rising up again. Every tribal is rising up again. Put your hands together for Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now put your hands together unto the Lord. We are honored. And it is a privilege for me to invite the Papa of the house, the Apostle of the Lord, with a clap offering and a shout unto the Lord. I want us to invite our Father. Come on, do it better. Do it better. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. If you are excited, you are in God's presence. Wave your hands when to the Father. Come on, fear. give the Lord a wave offering. Very soon, Jesus will be coming. And we need to get ourselves ready for his coming. You are welcome once again. All those of you who have joined us online, you are also welcome to our second service. Our first service was awesome. Our first service in the presence of the Lord. And we trust that the Lord would, would do greater manifestation of his presence. But always the letters shall be greater than the former. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this moment. We are grateful to you for another opportunity to come into your presence and to feast, O oh God, around your word. We ask that, Lord, you give us enlightenment. You grant me utterance. You cause me to speak by the reason of the anointing. I pray that every yoke shall be destroyed. Every burden shall be lifted. Holy Father, let there be light. Let there be inspiration. Let there be illumination. Even as we hear your word today. Bless us. And may we never leave your presence the same way we came. We pray for our brethren who are yet to be here. May their steps be ordered into your presence. Gather them in your presence just as you have brought us, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. After the ministration of the word, we will be naming Pastor Samuel Mabe's son, sorry, daughter, and we will all join them to celebrate this good, this good news and this grace of God upon their lives. The Bible says we should rejoice with those who are rejoicing. So we'll be rejoicing with them immediately. I finish the word ministration. We have been ministering, I have been ministering on a series. And we started three weeks ago. Actually, we started before the funeral. And uh, we continue last week. And today, by the grace of God, we started, we, 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 we started the finality of it. 
from the first service. And we hope to finish it in the second service. Last week, we looked at the second enemy of grace. And we said God's grace is so awesome. God's grace is unmerited favor. God's grace is Christ's riches at uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's God's grace is mercy at the disposal of the sinner. God's mercy at the disposal of the sinner. That is what grace stands for. But grace has enemies. I said in first service that grace is like elastic. You can stretch it. But then if you overstretch it, at a point in time it will break. So grace is not a last thing for sin. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abide? God forbid. So we said the first enemy to grace is willful sin. A deliberate sin. Now, a willful sin has degrees. It is a sin that maybe you choose to do one day. And then you confess your sins. That's not what we are talking about. But a willful sin is, is when you stretch grace to the point where it breaks. We call it Apostasy. Apostasy means bankruptcy of religion. When you are bankrupt of religion, you have stepped into the realm of darkness. You used to be in the light, but through negligence and lack of maintenance of God's grace and care, you have stepped into the realm of darkness. So you are bankrupt of the grace of God. We call it apostasy. Now when you step into the realms of apostasy, then grace, you fall from grace or you fail from grace. So willful sin is an abuse of God's grace. Willful sin frustrates the grace of God and willful sin causes you to fail from the grace of God. So, God provides grace but you can fail from grace. Amen. Amen. That is the reason why when faith is left to stand alone it dies. Faith must be added to. You add diligence to faith. You add godliness to faith. You add righteousness to faith. You add charity to faith. There are things you add to your faith so you don't become bankrupt. Amen. Amen. We move from there. Yes, that was last, last three, four weeks. And then last week, we look at the second part of the message. The, the second enemy of grace. And we say it's pride. 
Bible says God give grace to the humble. But he resists the pride. Anytime God found the proud person, he sees him as an enemy and he resists him. Praise the name of the Lord. We said pride goeth before a fall. So anybody who ever fell was first of all proud. Now, we say what is proud? And we define pride to be that uh, people who, by the grace of God, are blessed with superiority, some sense of importance, based on many factors. Their beauty, their achievements. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Their accomplishments, elevations, their wealth, their ranks. Now, when you over-exaggerate your superiority your sense of importance to the extent that you look for others with contempt. Now last week I remember we gave the example of Amma. Amma in the Bible. Now this Amma was in the, king, in the palace of the king, great king. And the Bible says he was elevated. At the same time there was a man there by the name Mordecai. Now, now he Mordecai. was the gate man in the king's now, palace. Oh, yeah, but as God will have it, Abba was elevated. In fact, he became the prime minister. With, after the king, but then immediately pride set in. Some people are so humble until they are elevated. Some people are so humble until they have a breakthrough. Some people are very humble until God opened the door for them. Abraham was so humble, nobody heard about his pride until he was elevated. And the Bible said the king gave a command Amma must be respected. So, see a boo him. So, in the kingdom, when he, he was coming, people bowed. But then there was a man by the so name of the Kai. Now, this Mordecai was a Jew. Mordecai, we know you Jew. Jew will never bow to anybody. It's an abomination for a Jew to bow to man. Because they only bow to Yahweh. They only know that Jehovah is the only one who deserves our worship. So, a Jew will not bow. So, but the Kaya refused to bow to so him. And he became angry. A proud person is angry because what he thinks people should accord him the respect. They are not they are, he's not receiving from them. So he, he devised a plan that he will eliminate not only Mordecai, but anybody connected to Mordecai. So you know what it means? All the Jews must be killed. How can you determine that the whole Jewish race must be eliminated 
because they refuse, one person refused to bow. That's what pride do. And that's what God hates pride. Because God is the only one who is exalted. And anybody who tries to lift himself, that God has not lifted, God sees him as an enemy. And he will bring you down. We saw in the book at Neza. Well, let me finish Haman's story. Eventually, he made a gallop. And he chose to, he was determined to hang Mordecai on that gallop. But the tables were turned. He ended up being hung on his own gallop. And that was the end of Haman's story. Anytime people are exalted, they must be very conscious of the fact that it is the grace of God that has made that possible. If you are not conscious of that, pride will enter into your heart. And when pride enters into your heart, you will fall. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you here with me? So we say that those humility is a cloth. Reserved for royals in the spirit. Every matured believer, the first sign is his humble. And because why are they humble? They live by certain principles. The first principle, according to Paul, I am what I am by the grace of God. I have done what I have done. By the grace of God. So they don't own anything to themselves. They, they ascribe their position, current position, current achievement, their grace, their ability as by, from God. So they have nothing to boast about. That is the first principle. For every humble person. The second principle, Apostle Paul said, not that we are sufficient of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of the Lord. So every humble person live by the principle that everything he is, it is God that made it possible. The third principle, Jesus taught his disciples. He said, after you have done all these things, say to yourself, I am just an unworthy servant. I have done my duty. And so you don't see yourself as an important person. You can't stop people from praising you. But what do you see about yourself? What do you think about yourself? What do you say about yourself? That's how God judged your pride. God has not judged your pride by what people are saying about you. Because you can't stop that. But what you say about yourself is what God judges. And that is why you must clothe yourself in humility. The higher you go, the lower you must become. That is the principle. Well, that one too was last week. Now today is the final subject on the enemies of grace. And then we said the last enemy of grace is unbelief. Everybody say with me, unbelief. Say it aloud, unbelief. Say it again, unbelief. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, what is unbelief? Infidelity. Infidelity. 
Infidelity is a rejection of Christ. Sir, what poor Christo? As the savior of men. Sir, any point in and the doctrines he taught. And then in church, So when somebody says, I don't believe in the so-called Jesus. Jesus and everything that he's teaching about, I don't believe. Then we say the person is in the state of unbelief. The reason why unbelief is an enemy to grace. He rejects Christ who is the author of grace. You know, grace came from Christ. The grace law came from Moses. But grace and truth came from Christ. So when you reject Christ, you reject grace. Am I speaking to somebody here? You can never reject Christ and be a recipient of grace because he's the author of grace. So when we say somebody is walking in unbelief, he has rejected Christ and, he, and the doctrines that Christ taught. Now, another definition for unbelief is distract distrust of God's promises and God's faithfulness. You say, oh, all the things that is written, they say God said, don't believe. He's not even faithful. When people are working in unbelief, they may not say it, but their action speaks. Your action speaks louder than your words. When you don't believe, you are saying, I don't trust him. And he is not faithful. This is the reason why God takes unbelief very serious. Now, in the book of Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, the whole essence of Christmas Christmas is the introduction of God's grace among men. That is the whole essence of Christmas. Now the Bible says, and suddenly there was with angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, now this was when Jesus was born. What was they saying? What were they saying? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will towards men. This is what we call grace. The birth of Jesus brought glory to the Father and it introduced peace between God and man. We call that reconciliation. But then it's also brought goodwill. Goodwill is friendliness. It's helpfulness. God's ability to show mercy with man is what we call goodwill. And then the, the angel said, the, ch the child that was born is an introduction of goodwill. Goodwill is God's grace towards all men. But how do we assess it? 
you assess God's grace by faith. Now, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says it is by faith that we are, sorry, it is by grace that we are saved through faith. So, God makes grace available. But grace cannot be accessed until faith activates it. And so where there is grace without faith, nothing happens. So even though God will prov- God has provided good will and peace to all men, it is only those who have faith who assess it. Hello. So the Bible said, by grace are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. So eternal life is a gift of God. If I have a gift, and I stretch forth my hand, and I say, take it. And he say, mm-mm. I say, take it. You say, mm-mm. Is it yours? Can it be yours? Why? You refuse to take it. So even though it is a gift, once you refuse to take it, it is not yours. We take God's grace by faith. And if you are not working in faith, no matter how much God stretch forth his hands, you can't assess it. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Am I speaking to somebody? Amen. Today I believe that your philosophy will change. Because God has something to tell us. Hallelujah. Amen. So grace is God's riches. At the disposal of the sinner. But then you see, just as I illustrated in the second service, if I give you a fat check, you will rejoice. That's natural. But then when you get to the bank, the cashier will look at your face, look at the check. And you turn the back of the check. No, I don't check. Do you know why you turn the back? You want to find out whether it has been endorsed. And if you have not endorsed it, he cannot honor it. Faith endorses God's grace. So no matter how fat the check is, how attractive it is, if it is not endorsed, it cannot be honored. God may give you so many promises until you endorse it by faith. You can assess it. Let us, let us travel through the scriptures. In the book of Matthew chapter 13, verse 40, 54 to 58. Let's see how unbelief can block God's power from flowing. And when he was coming to his own country, and he's talking about Jesus, he taught them in their synagogue. In so much that they were astonished and said, Where has this man this wisdom and this mighty words? This is how unbelief operates. Unbelief seeks to undermine your integrity. They analyze the reason why they should show you content. 
Jesus used Jesus. to be in that town. He was their countryman. And goodness has started manifesting through him. He has been thinking of his people. So he came back to them. And now this is how they analyze him. Is it not the capital son? No, do you know why they emphasize that? Because it was nobody. All that they are saying is that, look, he, he is not one of the rabbis. He has no titles. We don't know him to be a honorable man here. His father was a poor man. Those days, the people are farmers. We're farmers, not, a, not carpenters. Carpentry was left for rich, poor people. And so they have to emphasize that. You are trying to claim to be what you are not. We know your beginning. And then they said, <laughs> it's not his mother called Mary. So it means that it's an ordinary Mary. It's not, it's not Dr. Mary. Or Professor Mary. Then he said, his brothers, James and Jones, and Simon and Judas. And these are the things that kills your faith. These are the expression of unbelief. When people start talking, as I'm speaking now, those in unbelief, they will analyze my grammar. Instead of them to hear what God is telling them, they will find out how many mistakes I made. How constructive my how 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 uh, uh, how would I put it? How 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 well, okay, did my grammar eh, sounds? How did I construct it? Then when they finish with that, they will look at your dressing and they look at your hair. And this is what they meditate on. So they leave the presence of God empty. Why? Because they are deprived by unbelief. And this is exactly what they were doing when, when Jesus was speaking. And then they were talking about his sisters. Are they not all with us? When they had this man all these things. And then, and they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And the Bible said, And he continued, and, and, and he did not many mighty words. Now give me another translation. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, New King James, James or something. Say, and fine. Move it. Another translation. Any other translation? It says, "And now, he did not. He did not do many mighty words." There, because of their unbelief. Now, is a circuit that blocks the power of God from flowing through you. Faith. Connects you to God's power. But unbelief disconnects you. And so when people begin to walk in unbelief, they are automatically disconnected from the supernatural. And that is the reason why the miracle power 
that was causing the blind to see, the cripples to walk, the dead to rise up, those miracle powers stopped to operate when they begin to express unbelief. Praise the name of the Lord. Anytime people begin to express unbelief, they put an end to the flow of divine power. Praise the name of the Lord. Am I speaking to somebody? So what did they do? They scorn, they spite him, and they express contempt. And by so doing, they kill the power of God. Anytime you scorn, you spite or express contempt on holy things, you quench the flow of divine power into your life. Praise the name of Amen. the Lord. Now, can I show you something? Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Now, the Bible says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. So, what is the gospel of Christ? The power of God. Who access it? It's the power of God unto salvation. To, to everyone that believes. So even though the gospel is the power of God, it does not flow through everyone. That power only flows through those who believe. So I made an illustration here. You can be living in a dark house surrounded by powerful Electric cables. Electric poles. Electric poles everywhere. And yet, you may be sleeping in darkness. The only thing that will bring you power is when you connect to the source. And that is what faith does. When you connect by faith, power flow into your house. And when you walk in unbelief, you are cut off from power. And so those who do not believe, they are cut off from the flow of power. And for thousands of years, they will live in darkness. But those who believe, all the grace, the potentials of God's grace, all the goodness of God's grace, they will assess it. And that is why faith pleases God. Because it it allows him to flow. Allow his power to flow through us. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I want to talk about the consequences of unbelief. The first consequence of unbelief is that those who walk in unbelief will forfeit their true rest. In life and in God. There is rest in God. But it takes faith to assess that rest. If you are walking in unbelief and you don't believe in anything that God says, you will never have rest in life and beyond this life. Now, in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews verse 19. The Bible have this to say, for we see that they could not enter in 
Because of unbelief. Unbelief blocked them from entering into God's rest. There's the rest for God's people. Hallelujah. You may have some challenges. As a Christian, you may have some temporary setbacks. But there is an ultimate rest for God's people. And it is only faith that brings you to that rest. Those who walk in unbelief, they will forfeit the rest. That's the first thing. The second thing is that unbelief will cut you off. Cut you off from grace. Now, Romans chapter 11. Apostle Paul was talking about his own countrymen. Verse 20. And he said, Well, because of their unbelief, they were broken off. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Jews. They were the original Israelites. They were the original descendants of Abraham. In fact, the promise of salvation was first of all made for them. But how did we have access to grace, to forgiveness, to mercy, to salvation, and but to inherit eternal life. These are for them. When Jesus came, did he come to us? He came to them. But how did he go to us? Their unbelief broke them from the May tree. And our faith connect us to the stem. I'm asking to somebody. So even though they are original people, unbelief disconnected them and faith connected us. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, so you see that unbelief is an enemy to grace. Now, the, what number are we? Number three? Is it the third consequence of unbelief? Praise the name of the Lord. Now, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews We are in the second, am I right? Second. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6 and 11. For 6 and 11. Now, look at the Bible says. Hebrews 4, 6 and 11. Now the Bible says, seeing therefore, it remained that some must enter the ring. And they to whom it was first preached entered not. They do not enter in because of unbelief. Now, let me move on to the third consequences. Unbelief will contaminate your heart. I didn't mention this in the first sentence. It will contaminate your heart. Those that work in unbelief are contaminated in their hearts. When we say something is contaminated, it means it's unfit for holy purpose. And those who walk in unbelief, they are not fit for holy use. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hebrews 3.12. Hebrews 3.12. Now, look at what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? Unbelief. So unbelief 
makes your heart evil. In, in departing from the living God, it, it separates you from the living God. Faith connects us to the living God. Unbelief separate us. Why? Because our heart becomes contaminated and God calls it evil. Now somebody will say, you are talking of unbelief. What is belief? Because Unless I, I unless I know what is believed, I cannot appreciate unbelief. I cannot understand. So when we talk of belief, what are we talking about? Number one, belief means to expect and hope with confidence. To expect and hope with confidence. Even though what I am looking for. It's not readily available. I am hoping and I'm expecting it to happen. That means I believe. You can't say you believe and do nothing. Believe is an advert. Advert. It, it, it's, an, it's a doing word. So what do you do? You expect it. You, you, you hope for it. And sometimes you even act on what you believe. For example, Psalm 27, verse 13. Look at what the psalmist said. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, he's saying that I went through a lot of trouble. Things were bad. Nothing was working for me. And I was about to faint. But then I said to myself, I know I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Things are not going to be bad forever. I know this will end somewhere. I will see the goodness of the Lord. And he said that when I start saying that, start hoping, that expecting, then now I became stable. I did not faint anymore. Unbelief will cause you to faint. Until you learn to hope and expect now I show coin. I must speak to somebody. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. How do I express faith or belief? How, how do I operate belief? In the book of Romans chapter 4, oh, verse 19 to 22. Romans chapter 4, verse 19 to 22. I know I have not finished with the consequences of uh, unbelief. We are left to about two. I will revisit that. Now look at it. And be not faith, weak in faith. So when he considered not his own body. Now dead. Now look at the word now. It means at that particular time, there was a prevailing situation. The, uh, the picture originally was bad. When God promised him 
and Mary that he was home. going to be a father of many nations. So, uh, the picture was not a, a good picture. Not At that particular time, Sir, his body was dead. So, it doesn't matter the condition you are in. What matter is the promise? Now, can I tell you something? Look at the principle. How Abraham believed. He considered not. Everybody say he considered not. How do I believe? Abraham, Abraham. considered the promise and not the problem. What was the problem? His body was dead. Sarah's body was dead. That was the problem. But what did he do? He took his eyes off from the problem and he looked at the promise. What is God telling me? In spite of what is going, I'm going through, in spite of what is happening in my business, what is happening in my life, what is happening in my finances, what is God saying? And he took his eyes off of the problem. Do you know what we do? The reason why we are in unbelief, we take our eyes off from the promise and we consider the problem. Whatever you consider will be magnified. Because considering means meditate. And whatever you meditate is magnified. When you meditate on something, you magnify it in your mind. So either you are magnifying your problem or you are magnifying the promise. Hello. Anybody that works in faith, there's nobody who works in faith who works without problem. But the difference between them and us is because they do not consider the problem. They consider the promise. So, for example, you are sick. And I come to you. You came to me. Say, Pastor, I am sick. I went to the hospital. And the doctor said, they can't find anything. But I am sick. And the pastor said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, foul spirit. Lose your grip now. Amen. You are Amen. healed. And then you check your body. And the pain is still there. What will you say? Do you know what you should say? What did Jesus say to us? He, he said, this sign shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. And they shall lay hands over the sick. And they shall recover. So, now... The one that prayed for me is he a believer. As he lay his hands on me, then I've recovered. Even though the pains are there, I've recovered. And then you keep saying to the devil, I'm, I'm fine. I've recovered. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. By stripes, I'm healed. I'm healed based on his word. Do you know what will happen? Eventually, the situation will fail and the word will prevail. Now, do you know why this will happen? There is a difference between fat and truth. Fat is accumulation of information based on human research. But truth is a person. 
His name is Jesus. Let God be the truth. And let every man be a liar. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Let every man be a liar. Including the doctor who said your sickness cannot be cured. And let God alone be the truth. So what does that mean? I believe what God is saying. Even though there are symptoms. Than what the doctor is telling me. That is how you walk in faith. That is how you access power. That is how grace becomes available. Most of the symptoms after the prayers are not real. We call them lying symptoms. And when you stood, we stand on faith and you believe in confidence and in great expectation in hope, they will fade off and the promise will stand. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, do you understand that? So finally, Sarah's womb was healed Abraham's body Abraham was healed and they became what God promised them the father of many nations Amen. Amen now the second principle is in verse 20 what did they do in verse 20 that strengthened their faith he stagger not at the promises of God what does it mean to stagger to waver to waver in purpose. To waver in purpose. To doubt. To begin to give way. To lose stability. To cease to stand firm. Abraham did not stagger. Why was he not? Why didn't he stagger? Because he was that he was strong in faith giving glory to God. Verse 21. Verse 21. And being fully persuaded. So the reason why he was stable in the midst of hopeless situations was because he was fully persuaded. He was, there was no element of doubt. And how was he persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform until you come to the full persuasion that God would do what he promised. Now how was he convinced? He knew that God was able to call things being not as they were. He know that God has raised dead people. So if God has raised dead people, then his body that was dead will be raised, will be quickened. Sarah's womb will be quickened. So he, 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 he did some addition, one plus one. And then he got two. If God can raise the dead, can give life to those things that are dead, then he, when he said, I am going to give birth, then he's able to heal my dead body and speak life to it. Am I speaking to somebody? So that gave him full persuasion. He was fully persuaded that this God, all that I am looking for, and that is what I do, 
Can I tell you my secret? When I'm in trouble, I spend time praying until I hear from God. Once I hear from God, it doesn't matter whether the doctor is the one talking, whether the circumstance is the one talking, whether the situation is the one speaking. Once I hear from God, finito. Case closed. The next thing is praise and worship. When God says, son, I am, I am in control. This will, not, this will not end up in evil. You will be fine. Once God said that to me, I don't care about the pain. I don't care about the embarrassment. I don't care about what is happening anymore. So keep praying until you hear from God. And once you hear from God, be fully persuaded. Be, be fully persuaded that he is able, he is able to perform what he has promised. Praise the name of the Amen. Lord. Wave your hands to the Father. Wave your hands to the Father. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now let me finish with the consequences of unbelief. Let me go to the final consequences. If you walk in unbelief, so you will end up in the lake of fire. Those who walk in unbelief eventually will end up in the lake of fire. In Revelation 22, verse 8, and this is the final scripture I'll be reading. The Bible says, sorry, 21, verse 8, but the fearful and the unbelieving is it in your Bible? The fearful. No, people think that fear is a natural cause. Fear is a spirit. But the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear. So fear is a spirit. Excess, excessive fear is a deliverance case. Now listen very carefully. Don't entertain excessive fear. A believer, some of you, you are fear of your own shadow. Some of you, when it, when in, you are fear of heights. Some of you, when the light goes off, you will never come out. Even if you, are, you want to urinate, you will never come out. Light off. It's deliverance case. Now look at the Bible said, but the fearful and, and the unbelieving, those who don't believe, then he said the abominable. Now the word abominable simply means the hateful, the detestable, things that God don't like, like insects, sleeping with your own child. Things you know, you know what is abominable. Anything that is distasteful. Unclean. Those who practice that. The Bible said they will not enter the kingdom of God. They will go to hell. The, the, the lake of fire. Then he said the madress. Madress. Unfortunately, the world is becoming something else. Look at the recent election. They just kill people. Election people just die. And nobody. And it's normal. And people are saying that, oh, it was, it was normal, but only 
few skirmishes. The human life is no more important. It's few. And you say, what are the skirmishes? Oh, only eight people died. The human life. There's no more value placed on life. But those who are murderers, they will have their place in the lake of fire. And warmongers, prostitutes, male prostitutes, gays, lesbians, they will end up in the lake of fire. And the Bible said, and sorceress, witchcraft, occultism, and idolaters and all liars. And I said in the first, second, first service that many people believe that's what we call holy lies. How many of you have heard of holy lies before? So that's what this one is a holy lie. There's nothing like holy lies. Every category of a liar will end up in the lake of fire. Now, there are those who lie the most now are, are pastors. How can you be serving the truth and be a liar? Jesus said, I am the truth. And you say you are the servant of the truth. And you are lying. That is error. That's error. So every category of liars who end up in the lake of fire. Then he said, so all liars, they say, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. So if you don't believe in Jesus, you will end up in hell. Now you can tell me I don't believe. Pastor, what you are saying? Me, I don't believe. That is your problem. It's not my problem. It is your problem. My duty is to tell the truth. If you believe, whether you believe it or not, a day will come, you remember me. You remember this man standing here with the microphone. You remember the color of the microphone. Say you don't believe. Say you don't believe. Grace has been made available to all men. Goodwill to all men. But you only access that when you believe. If you don't believe, you will forfeit them all. And you will end up in the lake. Unbelief is an enemy of grace. And those who want, who don't want to be disgraced must learn to walk in faith. Am I speaking to somebody here? Are you here with me this morning? I want you to bow down your head as you are sitting down before the Lord today. You might have listened to me. Maybe this is not the first time of listening to me. The message like this. Maybe you heard something similar to this. And you yet you didn't believe. And God has given you another chance to see how dangerous unbelief is. Jesus came to die in order to purchase grace free of charge. 
Will you forfeit grace because of unbelief? The Lord wants to save you. Do you know what great means? Mercy unlimited. Favor unlimited. Do you know what grace is? Blessing unlimited. God's riches at your disposal. But unbelief will deprive you of them. Unbelief will stop the flow of miracles and God's power in your life. As you sit here right now, set through your heart. Do you have an evil heart of unbelief? The Lord wants to receive and forgive you. He wants to save you. He wants to heal you. He wants to intervene in your life. Wherever you are listening, whatever you are watching, the Lord is calling you to believe. When you believe, goodwill, peace, mercy, shall be at your disposal. I want to pray for something. As you sit and close your eyes, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, if you believe that Jesus came to die for sinners and that by accepting him as your Lord and personal Savior, you will have eternal life. Then you are ready for grace. This is the person I want to pray for. Is there anybody here like that? Is there anybody here? I want to pray for you. Whilst every head is bowed, you want to say, I believe, Lord. I believe, Lord. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he came to die to save sinners. I believe, Lord. I believe that he can save me. If you are here today, raise your right hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to see your hand and pray for you. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Is anybody here like that? Is anybody here like that? You have walked in unbelief, but you want to move out of unbelief to the realm of faith and belief. Is there anybody here? I want to pray for you. Is there anybody here? Raise your hands. Let me pray for you. Is there anybody here? Father, I pray for your people. Those that have been under the sound of my voice. I ask that Lord, your word will continue to work in the hearts of your people. And that you bring them to the place of conviction. That they will understand that it is very important for us to accept the finished work on the cross of Calvary. Thank you for those who have heard me. May faith come alive in their heart. And may you bring them to that place of full surrender. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you